My guest today, Chris, not only started a glamping business, but he scaled it up to the point where it is three safari tents and three shipping container homes. He also has gone through easily the biggest fear anyone in the glamping industry has, and that is local authorities knocking on his door, serving him papers, and trying to shut him down. In today's episode, Chris is going to teach us everything we should do and everything we shouldn't do if the feds are trying to shut us down. He's also going to teach us how to run a glamping business in cold weather, how to deal with nasty neighbors smearing your name on social media. I mean, he's really gone through it all, but he's also leveled up and built such a great business that we all can learn from. So for that reason, I'm extremely excited for today's special episode. Episode. As always, I just have one special request. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music, please do take the time to give us a nice review on those platforms. And if you're listening on YouTube, simply leaving a comment helps us more than you would think. It not only gives me the motivation I need to keep going, but it also helps me persuade these industry-specific experts to come onto the show and give us their knowledge. With that being said, my name is Jay Esperance, and this is the Keep It Tiny podcast. Let's go. So what I'd love to do, though, is start at the beginning. Um, and can you tell me how okay. you got into the idea of starting a glamping business? I know yes. that you're oh, a yes. former educator. So okay. like, I always love that because people think you have to start from a hospitality background or this or that. And it's kind of like, how does someone go from being a former educator to, you know, starting a glamping business? Yeah. Hospitality. I never really knew I had this passion uh, mm -hmm. for outdoor hospitality. I've been an outdoorsman uh, for uh, the better part of my life and, and really okay. enjoy hunting. And, uh, and it was in 2019. I was, yeah, you mentioned an educator. I was, I, I have since left teaching and now I'm doing glamping full time. But, um, uh, my wife and I had the summer off and we said, let's remodel our bedroom. And we did that. So mm -hmm. we, and to the studs, I like took everything out and replaced everything. Uh, instead of living in our living room for, uh, the, the month and a half, I put, I built a platform in my backyard and erected my wall tent, my hunting tent. So this mm -hmm. is a nice Davis tent out of Denver. They're very durable and stuff. And we loved it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we just had a blast. And the kids were inside. We were outside. We just, we just had a great time. And uh, at the end of that uh, month and a half, we said, you know what? Let's, let's throw it up on Airbnb and see what happens. And we booked out the rest of the summer. Oh wow! And and then I made twenty five hundred dollars off of my hunting gear that was in my garage, and and I these was, were all things you already had. Uh, yeah, this is all. Yeah, this is twenty five hundred dollars of free money. So I mm -hmm. was like, wow, this is this is uh this is not too bad. So the next summer rolls around, and Wendy and I decided to do a second tent. So we bought a new tent and, and actually did the same kind of thing on the other side of our property. We have a nice piece of property too, so. Uh, that that's uh, that that was a, a plus, and I made eighteen thousand dollars that summer. Wow! And we and we we turned out to love it, and we mm -hmm. we ended up just really enjoying our guests, and uh, uh, got to know some really neat people. And uh, people would come to our, our our place too and want their privacy. We always respect that. So so we're we're super hosts, I think. <laughs> so yeah. uh, and. And, but, but that now $18,000, that was turning into a side hustle that we wanted to pursue. So the next summer, so this is our third summer. So this is 2019, 2020, that was a COVID year. So we were thinking maybe it was a fad, but then the 2021, we opened up again and we pulled out all the plugs. We, we kind of maximized our property mm -hmm. and put out, um, uh, had, uh, let's see, three tents and three container homes. And, oh, wow. and that was, uh, yeah. So we put six units on our property. Um, Jamie, we made $90,000 that summer. 
And now it's, that was a game changer. Um, however, we started getting visits from uh, what I call yellow jackets. Mm-hmm. And yellow jackets are, uh, are, are people wearing yellow jackets with a badge on. And they show up at your front door unexpected and mm-hmm. say, we're from the government and we're here to help. <laughs> and uh, so that was, now we live on the country. So I really thought I had more liberties than I did. And mm-hmm. um, uh, they started just, well, actually, it wasn't so much the yellow jackets. It was, I had a neighbor who did not want me to mm-hmm. do what I was doing. And they were mm-hmm. calling every entity under the sun. They were calling the health department, both state and local or, and county, um, the building department and, and the zoning department. That's about it. But they also took it to social media. They, they went online in the next door and, and you know, ran and raving about how awful we were and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So they, they got nasty. Yeah. Um, and, well, that kind of almost shut us down. I mean, we, well, we contemplated it. Uh, we had to fight that that kind of uh, kind of smearing, and uh, so so we on two fronts. One, the government front, with the yellow jackets, with the, you know trying to deal with them, but then also with this kind of social smearing that was going on. So now I've lived here for twenty three years. Wendy and I are very well known in our neighborhood. Uh, actually, this one neighbor was somewhat of a hermit, and and she she made enemies with everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So I went knocking on the doors of my neighbors and really convinced them that this was actually a great thing to have in our neighborhood. Um, and so they started writing letters to the county and the, all the authorities in my favor. Mm-hmm. And, and it, 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 swayed, it swayed everything to my side. And, uh, and now we're very active in the Chamber of Commerce where we've, uh, like, well, to end the story, we, we ended up, uh, I ended up quitting my job. My, Wendy was a, is a homeschool mom, so she... She also in education. She's still homeschooling our kids, but okay. but but the but the idea is that we we restructured our whole lives around glamping, and now we we own and operate Monument Glamping on our property. Mm-hmm. Um, we're having a big um, a big um, uh, ribbon cutting ceremony May first. Uh, even though it's our fourth season, mm-hmm. we're we're really established with. Uh, the zoning and all our permits are in place and, and, uh, and we're crushing it. I mean, we're, we've gotten, I've got, I got a, uh, a couple of things here. Uh, we were published on the monument living magazine. That's oh, my nice. family with oh wow. In there. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's uh let's see another a newspaper did a, did a story on us glamping in style, the local newspaper. And we've got, we got Fox 21 coming. That's a local, Box affiliate coming over tomorrow and doing a story on us. So we're we're making we're we're making an impression in the community. But all mm-hmm. that just all centered around glamping, and it's uh and and we're having a great time doing it. It's mm-hmm. really fun. It was year three when the yellow jackets came to your door. Yes, yes, and so at, that was two thousand. So a year ago today, okay, but I was in. I was up to my eyeballs in all sorts of zoning codes and zoning and, permitting and, legal trouble. Yes. That was, that was, uh, that was, a an eye opener for me. I really mm-hmm. unincorporated El Paso County, even that name unincorporated makes it sound like, Hey, you know, leave me alone mm-hmm. government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, we'll, we won't say anything if you don't say anything. And so, so <laughs> that's the kind of uh, neighborhood. I lived in that was actually one of the pitches that I gave to my neighbors who I, I wanted to, you can kind of, I see that happening in the glamping world where neighbors 
stand up yeah. and rise up and say, hey, not my backyard type of yep. type of uh, 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 movements. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of turned that uh, to my advantage. And I said, you know, we, we like to say tongue in cheek. We don't like people. That's why we live out in the country. Uh, but that's not true. We do like people. Um, what we don't like to be is being told what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I say, you know, this one neighbor is trying to tell me what to do on your land, just like she tells everybody what to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. so let's not, we don't want that to happen. Now there were some legitimate concerns that neighbors have. And, and mm-hmm. I was, I had meetings with them and people give you just a quick example. What my next door neighbor crossed my street, um, didn't know this. He actually helped me build my driveway so that people can come in and out uh, easily to my property. Well, it turns out that when they pulled out, they would, the, the, the lights would shine right into his bedroom window. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's awful. And so I, in my uh, site development this last year, because we we've done a lot of developments this last year, um, my site development, we're moving our driveway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's an example of, you know, that's just being a good neighbor. I don't want, yeah. I don't want that to happen. And he's, my, he's the closest neighbor. He's right across the street. And he wrote a glowing letter to mm-hmm. the county. Uh, so that it's actually public record. People can look us up in El Paso County and uh, and see all the documentation. Um, I have a half a dozen letters from from neighbors saying, yeah. hey, this clamping operation is awesome. We love it in our neighborhood. It brings brings some flavor to our neighborhood. So let's keep it. And so, then there's one letter of concern, and that's mm-hmm. from oh, from the one, the one neighbor. neighbor. So, what do you yeah. do though? Like, what does it feel like? Can you put me in your shoes that day that you get a knock at the door, and you're like, you know, you're out in the country, so you probably don't oh. get a ton of random knocks at the door. It's like, hey, I'm sorry, who's this? How can I help you? And you realize <laughs> that it's the government coming to tell you that you know they're looking into your glamping business. They never say they're just shutting you down. <laughs> but what what is what? This, how do you feel in that moment? And what are the first steps that you take afterwards? Like, do you call your lawyer oh. uh oh boy you gave me a lot to answer here this is a good story because i had uh so this is my third year into it or just entering into my third year and uh, and i'm thinking and and i and the neighbor was voicing concerns uh to other neighbors at the time so I, i'm like there are some things i need to school myself on so i hired a guy out in denver who specializes in zoning and and, and permitting and things like that I hired him to come down and walk my property on that very day of him walking the property. I got my first yellow jacket and it was from the regional building uh, department. Oh, wow. um, and he shows up. I mean, this, this was, this is so bizarre. So he shows up. So, so I had this uh, contractor. Um, he, he was, he wasn't a lawyer, but he kind of dealt in, 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 in legal, uh, uh, zoning requirements and things like that, and he was advising me on what I needed to do to bring my 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 decks up to up to up to par and, and mm-hmm. bring zoning and, and how to move all these pieces around because it is very complicated. It's actually overwhelming uh, when when you first get into all these details. Um, and uh, well, he showed up uh, there, there, so it was like perfect timing. So we all kind of huddled together and said, "What what do I need to do?" to bring my existing operation up to code. And, and you know what? I don't, I always question people when they say they got shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, It typically doesn't go that way. There's, there's, there's processes that people that the government goes through before actually shutting you down. And it's usually 
the government doesn't see them that, that way. In fact, this this uh, enforcement officer who who showed up, we're on first name basis, and we got we got to we got to tell her on speed dial because he's a very nice guy, and he's he even told me we're not into we're not in the business of shutting businesses down. We're in the business of helping you to comply to the code. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like a mediator between what the county code is or the municipality or whatever for your, for your, you know, we got to find out where you live. And he's a mediator to get me up to that code that the building department has that elected officials actually have put into place. So, so once I understood him as a mediator, as a, as almost a coach, mm-hmm. um, that just changes everything. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not there to, shut you down and they're they're there to help you comply to their to their code so um but but you mentioned a lawyer i did hire a lawyer Uh, in fact i knew him he knew Mm -hmm. me i knew him and now we're good friends but um um, he lives in the same creek as me my kids have gone to his family runs a horse camp in town so so we knew of each other but but uh um, now, now we really get along well because I call him up saying, Hey, this is happening right now. And, and then, and he was in our original planning meeting. So with the County, that's really what, when the force, this is another yellow jacket, this, this enforcement officer, he really did have the jurisdiction to shut me down. Mm-hmm. The first one kind of gave me a slip and you know, there's no fine to it or anything. It's just a stop, a stop building, uh, um, okay violation that that's what that's what i think it's called something like that or cease build and mm-hmm. he kind of laughed when he gave it to me because i know you already have it built mm-hmm. but what what you need to do is you need to call downtown and you need to need to talk to somebody to actually get it permitted that's that's what we're doing right now um okay. i have a contractor uh, working on a on a bathhouse right now we had to restructure our glamping sites and our our, our it gets now it gets in the, the complications that's different yeah. all across the country all over the world every 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 county it's every all different municipality. yeah it's all different and that's what scares people out away from glamping i think or, or hosting something on their own property uh but it's like anything else you gotta just lift the hood and kind of figure out what what the code yeah. says so and uh and then you do it and then you build, yeah. you build according to the code and then then, then life gets a lot easier you got then you're in the newspaper and stuff like that because because people are interested in glamping. Mm-hmm. And I found I found that these the, the yellow jacket of the government, um, especially when I got into the special use permit that I needed to get, that was the big that was yeah. the big ticket item that I needed to get. Uh, the, the building codes is, is kind of easy. That's simple. Um, but the, <laughs> the special yeah. use permit was I'm actually in the middle of my second special use permit for another property that I'm building mm-hmm. out. Real quick, um, I, I have a video on special yeah. use permits that I'll I'll link up uh, on this uh, on the top of the screen right now. But can you explain what a special use permit is? Yes, uh, that's where the, the the county told me what you need to do is get a special use permit to use your rural residential property the way you want to use it. There's certain things that are allowed, like gardens and and, and stuff like that. They, I don't need to get a permit to to start a garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, or something like that. But a recreation camp is a special use. So mm-hmm. it's it's that my six and a half acres is uh, like I said, rural residential. It's a large acreage, but uh, but there's a whole bunch of five acre properties all around me. And to it's, it's the the idea is that there's not a pig farm next door. You know, mm-hmm. a pig farm is not allowed. But um, and 
but there's nothing that says glamping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the county determined what year the, the, the square hole that you fit into is what's called a recreation camp. Okay. Things like a paintball course or, um, or, or something, maybe a go-kart course or a biking course or something like that. Those are, those are uses of my property. That's special. Okay. Um, and they said glamping is a special use. And that was another angle I went to my neighbors on saying, you know, I could have a go-kart course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, that could be a special use, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not. It's glamping. It's people enjoying their 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 mornings and evenings. They typically leave my property. They don't stick around. They they're tourists. Yeah. And they and they're out they're out visiting Garden of the Gods or Pikes Peak or, mm-hmm. or the, the 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 hiking for the day, things like that. And they just uh, so you know, I don't have. It's not a campground. I've had yeah. to correct people. It's not a campground. It's a glamp ground, and yes. it's a much much different. Um, but it, but to the counties, the, the county sees it as a recreation camp. And that's and how you were able to get the special use permit? Yes. And that, that was awarded to me last July. And the county wasn't going to shut me down. And they didn't say, uh, that's where the lawyer came in very mm-hmm. handy. Because the lawyer had me walk that fine line of operating while at the same time uh, okay. trying to be compliant. So I'm not in compliance yeah. but i'm able to operate uh, my my operation yeah, and still make and, and, uh, yeah still make money so what was it like applying for the special use permit receiving a special use permit and um you do you think you would have been able to do it without your lawyer and like what advice do you have for people who are like i have a beautiful piece of property i own six yeah. acres i have a nice house like do I need a special use permit? Like, like, what is that? How do I go about it? Yeah, you probably need some sort of permit. Uh, mm-hmm. Even in me out in the country in El Paso, unincorporated El Paso County, like mm-hmm. I said, the name sounds like I can do whatever I want. You probably need to get something and do something. Um, I've, I'd say call the county and just just figure that out. They typically will point you right in the in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, our county has a daily phone person one of their planners sits on the phone all day long and takes those kinds of calls okay I've called a few times uh, uh hiring a lawyer was very uh strategic of me um there uh actually i had a neighbor who was trying to do something else but hers was different she was she got denied by the county but she was she just wanted to have a tiny house on her property oh wow and um and she was and she had well it was the same grumpy neighbor <laughs> but she she had to deal with this neighbor and through the county the, the neighbor didn't express concerns they they just called the county mm-hmm. and um and she was she was taken off but she was applying for a variance which is something different uh-huh and yes. i think you had nick i think you referenced nick nick was the guy and i and i've kind of, i've talked with nick too nick's great mm-hmm. uh, so yeah yes. i would encourage your visitors to to, to go ahead and listen to that episode because yeah, he, I'll he put really a link to that on the top. Well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he yeah, did. He, he explained did. it very, very well. And, and, uh, and that's his specialty. Uh, actually my lawyer is very much like Nick, except he's an old guy, but, but, but he's much older, but he, uh, uh he was, uh, my, my lawyer was a former board of county commissioner. Okay. So, so having him in the room with my planning meeting, so I had a planning meeting just like my neighbor had a planning meeting. This is very interesting, actually. Didn't know we were going to go here, but my neighbor had a planning meeting, did not have a lawyer with them. 
and it was just them. They wanted mm-hmm. to put a tiny house in their, in their yard. I had a planning meeting and I had this former border County commissioner lawyer, mm-hmm. very well known uh, in, in the room. It just made all the planners and the people in the, in this planning meeting, it was an online meeting. Yes. Just kind of sit up straight. You know, they, mm-hmm. they were like, okay, you know, I'm going to be corrected if I don't get this right. Yeah. The planner that was assigned to me in this meeting, again, that's public information too. People can actually watch this hour long meeting with, with a bunch of, uh, you know, bureaucrats really, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's what we're dealing with. Um, and uh, my planner in the meeting, once he got his head around what I was doing, said, that sounds really cool. And yeah. they became kind of advocates for what I was doing. Now mm-hmm. they would never say that. They would never say oh, that they were yeah, advocates of course because not. They're, yeah. they're, 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 they're wearing their government hat. They've mm-hmm. got to, they've got to push their code. Um, but they wanted me to succeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, you could kind of, especially when I told them the story and really what I'm, my, my beginning story of how I kind of fell into this and I'm really trying mm-hmm. to do what's right. And, and I want, I want to honor you guys and, mm-hmm. and get, get compliant because they had, I had health department. I had the floodplain guy. I had, um, I had two health department people there. There was, there were a lot of people who, who were saying you can't do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But then the, the, the tone changed after a while, after the meeting, they really started to understand what glamping was. Yeah. I mean, you know, the meeting started off, they're, they're looking at me like I've got three heads, uh, but the meeting ended going, okay, this is, this is a checklist that you got to do. And here, here you mm-hmm. go. This is the, this is the path to go. Yeah. And, and um, I, I think and then I went of, down that path. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't want to reach out to lawyers just because they assume it's going to cost $75,000 just to even have a, a introductory conversation. Um, and I think a lot of people also don't view starting glamping businesses as businesses. Like let's not forget the 50% of the glamping business word is the second half is business. Um, so yeah. I always tell people, you know, if you can try your hardest to, you know, think about those things, uh, bringing in, I think you said a couple of things that really stood out to me showing me, you know, that you not only knew what you were doing, but you were trying to set yourself up for success, which is after yeah. you accidentally started a glamping business and realized that you had something extremely profitable on your hands and you doubled and tripled down on it, which is obviously a key sign of, of success that a lot of people should try to do themselves. Um, you yeah. went and got a zoning and permitting expert. And then you also went and got a lawyer and you figured out how can I make this work? Especially once you hit the point that you didn't just have your hunting tent anymore. It seems like yeah. you once you had your hunting tent, two other tents, and a couple of container homes, you said, okay, whoa, <laughs> let, let me try to get it. It almost sounds like you tried to get ahead of this. Like you knew like the hammer could be coming down at any moment. You're like, this is, you know, I've got something too good to be contained here. Um, and then you, then you went about that steps, right? Yeah. Contained. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. And that's the fear in the glamping world. I, I, I attend the American Glamping Association every year. Were you there, Jamie? Were you there? No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. This last October. I was, I was there this last October and, um, and, and we, we gave a fireside. Well, I, I gave two presentations there. One was for funding at, at one of the events they had there. And I also gave a fireside chat with white duck, uh, which makes canvas tents. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I got to know some people who attend there. So there's hundreds of people who attended and they see the seminars and things like that. I saw a lot of fear in people mm-hmm. and they, they kind of, they're like, gosh, you know, like once I opened up and I shared the story, cause I shared the same, shared the same story on the stage uh, even 
um, about getting into trouble and stuff and mm-hmm. what we needed to do. A lot of people were kind of coming up to me and goes, you know, I got a tent too in my backyard and I, I'm waiting for the authorities. And I, and, and I said, you know what? Don't be afraid. Uh, you're, you're doing a great service. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're hosting. I mean, I get people proposing on my property. I wow, get people I, you know, celebrating their anniversaries of, mm-hmm. of several years. They, they, and they're at the one night they, they live in an apartment in downtown Denver and they just can't stand it anymore. They, they come down here and, and, and stay in my tent. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I shared this with people like that at the American Glamping Association. I said, you're doing great work. Don't forget yeah. that. Don't yeah. forget that. I mean, yeah, you're also making money at it, but you're doing a, you're doing a service in mm-hmm. people's lives that, that changes their lives. And, um, and they're making memories that'll last a lifetime. So, figure out how to do it legally <laughs> it's, it's yeah. worth doing it's worth you know? it. it's like yeah it's, it's like it's 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 expensive yeah a lawyer is going to cost money um the permit itself is about seven thousand dollars and that's just the paper mm-hmm. okay so there's and then there's soils tests i have to do i have to put, install i'm installing a septic tank in two yep. weeks that's going to be forty thousand that's the biggest ticket item that's forty thousand dollars uh so so add it all up um well, let me throw some numbers out there because it's important yeah. to, to your listeners. Yeah, um, I'd love that. I, it, I was okay. also going to say, if you could, um, you know, talk about how much all of this has costed you over the years and if you have any tips on how to bring down costs for others, because I, I call it paying the stupid tax. Um, us us <laughs> pioneers, we go out there, we we do these things, we fall flat on our face, we pick ourselves up and we pay yeah. that stupid tax. So hopefully the listeners don't have to. <laughs> Stupid tax. That's a that's a good one. I might steal that from you because that, sure. that's I, I I got a lot of stupid taxes going on around. Same, here. same. Um, I just a, a big picture. Um, we've lived here for twenty three years. I don't totally own my house, but I only owe about two hundred thousand on it. Okay, and it's uh it's roughly a six to eight hundred thousand dollar piece of property. Mm-hmm. Um, is is about what we own. So I had the equity in the in the house. And how many acres? Uh, so. Uh, six and a half acres, and it's a beautiful piece of property. I got a creek in my backyard. It's and it's beautiful view of the valley, and and it's just it's it's really nice. Uh, and it's on a and it's on a secluded road. There's really I have like on this road. There's only five neighbors, uh, nice. so it's, it's yeah. so you got to kind of beat where I can see the interstate from my backyard, and and you can kind of hear it too when you're in a canvas tent. But it's in it's a couple miles in the distance in the valley. Anyway, all I have to say, I have equity. Mm-hmm. So I got a HELOC. And I got a $200,000 HELOC on the property. And, uh, and, and that is fueling the development of this property. Really what I call it, just establishing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting all my permits and, and the, like, like I said, the septic tank and redesigning my decks. And things. There's a lot, lot to that. And it's going to cost me about $200,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I, I financed my living off of uh, the selling of my previous business. So when okay. I decided to quit my job and sell my business, that that actually is financing me. So I got in my mind, I've got three years to make this glamping thing work, mm-hmm. and I'm already making it work. So mm-hmm. so it's like that. That's that's what got me to pull that trigger. Um, the, the 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 special use permit. Uh, it was divided into two things. This one, the special use permit was a $4,300 bill. And then the, uh, uh, the site development plan is another $2,300. Mm-hmm. 
So roughly between six and seven thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. That's just for the permit. That's just that's my check to the county. Okay, so yep. and the, the things that are included in there are things like my soils testing, um, my water permit. I need to upgrade my water permit. I, I hired a water lawyer from Denver. Mm-hmm. That was roughly five thousand dollars to get an upgrade of my my all the legal fees and and the permit itself. Um, then there was I'm trying to think of what what else. Uh, the building permits was a whole separate department. And to go through, um, and that I'm still in the works on that. That that's still I'm in operation. I'm in development mode right now. The winter here, we do do some winter glamping, mm-hmm. uh, but largely shut down. I've got one container and three tents open, uh, but we will have eight units on my property when it's all said and done. Um, and I've got I'm 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 digging up my yard right now and and, okay. and building it out. So I'm in site development. Uh, while I'm renting out the best I can and, um, um, and I'm, I'm making it work. So it sounds and like I'm, you've, I'm probably uh-huh. going to use up that $200,000 HELOC. Okay. Um, I hope to have some money left over, but that's just me being hopeful. Mm-hmm. But by the time I'm done with it, I'll probably end up spending all of it. Oh, and that did include, I bought a container home too. That was $40,000. I got a great deal on that. That, was mm-hmm. that does sound like a good deal. 80, well, it was my son's first. My son builds them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, he's building out a, an RV park out in Oklahoma right now. Mm-hmm. So he's very much into the RV world. Uh, but he builds these container homes and, uh, and sells them for eighty ninety thousand dollars a pop. The so, first one he built, I bought cause I wanted to keep it in the family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you also probably got so, the, the best deal on that new builders yeah, always get you, deal, yeah. new builders are always <laughs> sell the first couple ones for a low. So yeah. that was smart of you. You said that you got a $200,000 HELOC. Can you tell us what a HELOC is? Um, and, and, and that's line of credit. Mm-hmm. Home equity line of credit. Um, so I have equity in my house. Mm-hmm. So I, so let's say my house, I think it appraised at like 700,000. Uh, so I had, and I owed 200,000 on it. Well, that's 500,000 in equity. And the bank said, well, we, we will give you a loan and your collateral is that equity. And, uh, and, and so I ran the numbers. It was a local bank that I went through. Uh, Wells Fargo didn't, who my original, I had a really good loan. So I didn't want to do a, I really, I got a, I refinanced when, when the, 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 the rates were so low. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to get, I didn't want to refi um, and do a cash out refi, which is what I think most people would have done. Mm-hmm. And um, so instead I got a HELOC with a private bank or a local bank, not a private bank, a local bank. And, um, and, and they approved it. And okay. I, I could have gotten more, but I thought 200,000 was probably what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I thought I got that at, at, a, at a low rate at the time. And um, I thought it was high rate at the time, but now it's a low rate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and that, that's how I'm financing the, the establishment of this glamping property. Cool. And then uh, I think a, a good chunk of the funds that you've raised to go into it, not a good chunk, but uh, you definitely put down some money on these lawyers and getting the zoning and permitting expert out there to assist you. How does one even start? Like, do you go on Google and just type help me? Like, how did you go about calling these lawyers, starting the conversations with the zoning and permitting experts? And how do you not come across um, foolish when you do that? I think that's another thing that holds a lot of people back. Um, You know, how do you establish yourself and and have those conversations with them to get those people to help you and fight on your behalf? 
Yeah. Uh, well, the first, the zoning guy that came on my property and actually started consulting me first, I only hired him once, um, but he, uh, I met him through online, uh, online group, mm-hmm. uh, Rob Abasolo's uh, Glamp Camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a member of that and I met him through there and then, and I discovered, oh, he's from Denver. So that, that, then we made the arrangements and I think he cost like $800 to come down for a few hours. Okay. Um, which I thought here's, here's, here's kind of a, a bigger picture thought that mm-hmm. I bet you your guests or your, your viewers will resonate with. Ask yourself, how much would you pay to start a business that you love? And I had a $200,000 mark on my, on my head. Yeah. You know, I said, yeah, I really love this. Mm-hmm. Would I pay $200,000 to just buy a brand new business and just go into it? Well, yeah, I, 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 that's not that much money. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it's a lot of money, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, but to buy a business, an yeah. established business, then, then that, that makes me a hundred thousand dollars a year, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, 200,000, take my money. I mean, I yeah. think that's, 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 that's what they put it when I frame it that way. Mm-hmm. And so now I am making a hundred thousand dollars a year on a business that, that cost me $200,000. That's, that's not, that's an easy investment. Yeah. So um, it was worth getting the zoning experts, the, the lawyers to come yes. in and help out for yeah. sure. And my, lo- my lawyer who I'm still, is still my lawyer is, is more of a family friend. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, my kids went to this horse, horse camp for years, and and uh, and so so that that that's just who I knew, I guess. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, but you know, the, you want to find a lawyer who who specializes in land development. Okay. And and he was a former border county commissioner, and so so he was he was well done. Actually, starting with a your your elected official, mm-hmm. you know, call him up. They they, yeah. they love talking to their constituents. Uh-huh. Say, hey, this is what I'm doing out in this property. Uh, you know how to, they, and they know the stuff like the back of their hands. Oh yes, mm-hmm. this is what you got to do. You got to do call this person, call that person, and then and then you're able to just put the pieces together. Yeah, like at the glamping association, the, the conference when I was dealing with people who were like, I'm doing something like that too. Yep. I met a lot of people like that. I even said, it's, most of you are illegal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, but but once that once that veil comes comes off, and mm-hmm. you go, okay. I'm illegal, but I want to get legal. Then that's when people just become helpful, mm-hmm. and, and they, 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 the, 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 the county. Like I said, I view them as more of a mediator rather than a, a you know, a law enforcement officer. Um, then things became simple, uh, yeah. and, 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 and doable. Now all of a sudden, it's not scary. Um, cool. It's expensive. I mean, yeah. that that's that that was uh, that too is a little bit of of, of hesitation from people too. It's mm-hmm. like I don't want to spend three seven thousand dollars on a permit. Yeah. Well, then they then that then the government does get mean. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, if you're yeah. that guy. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. They're only nice for so long. <laughs> you yeah, know, right, right, right. We, we know That's... they they shut down the mob via taxes and things like that. So they care yeah, about their right. money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they care about their money, right? <laughs> so, but if you're if you have a true desire to be compliant, mm-hmm. then they then they start using you as an example. Yeah, uh, they, they, you know, this like, is how hey, you do it the right what, way. At, this is how you do it the right way, and 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 uh, and this and so so go the route Chris Jube and Chris and Wendy Jube have gone, and yeah. things will things will turn out fine. Because I've talked with people. I mean, I don't I don't turn them in like my one neighbor does, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm, there's some glamping operations that are going on here. Uh, and yeah, they, and they they've contacted me <laughs> and said, "Gosh, you know, I'm doing something. Else. I'm doing something too on my property on this side of the county." 
Um, yeah. and, uh, and I just tell them how it's done. Yeah. And then they, then they, they take it from there. But it's cool. not as hard as people think. It's not as intimidating as people think. Yeah. It, it, it can be done. And you're, you're, you're leading the same charge. I'm preaching to the choir right now, but it's like the, because you and Jamie are doing a great thing by removing those barriers for people. Thank I you. actually listened, I watched a, a number of your videos uh, early on um, because I was in the mix of it. Actually, mm-hmm. like a year ago, you were really doing a lot of YouTubing and uh, you were one of my guys because <laughs> I was going to you and I'm going, oh yeah, I got I to learn up on this stuff. That's uh, how I got to know Nick too. And, yeah, and I'm happy to help. These discussions. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to help. The goal of Keep It Tiny is to really uh, drop the stigma and the worry. Um, there's a lot of question marks behind uh, glamping businesses, tiny homes, tiny structures, etc. and how to make money from it. A lot of the information on these types of things they're pie in the sky type of stuff, you know, they're wonder lost, uh, you know, like people leaving college to road trip around America and it's beautiful. And it's like, well, there's a business side to that. And, you know, let's get real and let's talk about that. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do. So I'm, I'm glad I could help you. I'm happy to be your guy. I hope I can help others. Um, and that's kind of really the goal. Um, so I have another question for you though, cause sure. You beat the feds. That's what I'm going to call it. I listen to a lot of rap music. All right. So, so you beat the feds, right? You, you, the, you're not guilty. You, you beat the charges. Now you're running a successful business. You have three tents. You have three container homes. You are making, I'm going to say a low number, probably 90 to 100K a year uh, from your business. Um, how do you keep thriving? And most importantly, I think the, the number one question I would have is how did you get so much press? Is it just your uh, boyish charm? Uh, how did you kind of get the press? Because I do think that that helps elevate and it allows marketing to be done for you without you having to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. How did I get the press? Uh, I don't know. Well, I have a very unique family. So mm-hmm. we're well known in the, in the here. I'll I actually grab this picture. You said that you guys were on, on TV, right? Yeah, this That's is a my big family. family. Yeah, it's a big family. Yeah, we have sixteen kids. Yeah, yeah. You didn't know that, did you, James? No, did I did you, not. I did you know that? No, yeah, I did 16. not. So I've got I've got a lot, very large family. Yeah, we mm-hmm. were featured on TLC back in two thousand and eight, and um, and and I'm also very involved in academic debate. I mentioned before I'm a debate yeah. coach. So did um, the press reach out to you though, or did you reach out to them first? Uh, which one? Which way did it go? Um, yeah, they reached out to me. Okay. I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm always fishing for, for ways to do that. In fact, there was one glamping host. How did I come across her? It was an, it was an AGA meeting, AGA, mm-hmm. American Glamping Association. Yeah. Who was from Michigan. And I can't even remember her name, but she said she was very aggressive in getting uh, popular press. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so then I think I, I think I did, I put a feeler out there to our local paper, the, the Gazette. Yeah. And that's where the Tribune came in. Uh, the Tribune is the local of the local paper, and yeah. uh, and then they did a story. And then I and then I I I hoop and howl whenever I get that press. You know, mm-hmm. I'm posting it on my personal Facebook and, things, and 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 just pushing it out there. I even got a framed picture of it. Spent a couple hundred dollars and put a framed picture of it on my wall. Yeah, just because I'm so. It was a great article. Yeah, and people love to do puff pieces like that. And you know, for I'm sure, camping. nice and little like good story. Fox twenty one, yeah, Fox twenty one is coming out. Oh, the Chamber of Commerce actually. That's that's a really good piece of advice. Get involved in your Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, pay your hundred bucks a year, whatever their fees are, and just be there. Go to their breakfasts and go to their. 
go to their educational meetings and stuff like that and start passing out cards, get car, business cards, start passing them out. Mm-hmm. You know, be loud and proud about your what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, in our community, um, we don't have very many Airbnbs. We don't have any. We have one hotel in the whole town of Monument. Mm-hmm. And we're a tourist attraction. We we, mm-hmm. we get people, a lot of hikers and bikers. And like I said, Garden of the Gods and Pikes Peak are big, big, big attractions. They, people love coming to this part of the country to vacation. And we have one hotel. Yeah. And everyone's going down to the Colorado Springs. So, boy, the president of my chamber of commerce loves Probably me. loves you. She yeah, came, loves what you yeah, have going she, on. She came out and toured our place. And mm-hmm. and, and she, she, she was one of the letters that got sent into the county. When I was doing my, it, she said, hey, we want glamping in northern El Paso County and Monument. So please allow this special use. Mm-hmm. So uh, it kind of it kind of cleared the path. Yeah, and that uh, helps amplify your voice and what you have going on. Yes. And I think uh, once you're, well, not I think, you know, before I quit my career, I was a director of digital marketing uh, in the tech world. But I know that press begets more press. Um, so once you kind of get the ball rolling and they see that, you know, another pe- you know, another person picked up the story, all of a sudden your story to them seems more attractive and, you know, they kind of don't want to get left behind. And it's also an easier sell for them to talk to, you know, whoever's running their paper or their, or their publication where it's just like right. not pitching a brand new story, but like, Hey, look, someone else has already deemed this worthy. So we deem it worthy as well. Let's figure out how to make it work. And glamping glamping is a cool thing mm-hmm. and yeah and everyone in in the press wants to do something on glamping yeah so if they if you're the authority and you're the you're the you're the guy in town who's doing it mm-hmm. then i become a magnet i mean yeah. you, you you people people are attracted to you and not only not only the press restaurants but you know area businesses the yeah, rental they love you place in town they they they're Absolutely. like hey Chris is bringing in people from all over the country and from uh, downtown Denver and Colorado Springs to stay here in our community. What's not the like? Absolutely. Uh, so- they, they come in with a pocket full of money. I know that's how I roll when I'm on vacation. I, I like to have a good time. And, you know, I'm, yep. I'm the local area is going to get this money. Somebody in this town is yep. going to get my money <laughs> when right, I go out to right, eat, right. when I go out to, you know, have a good time. You know, that's just how it goes. Yeah, um, so we're doing a like I said, we're doing a ribbon cutting ceremony on May first, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and I think I don't know how I'm going to keep all the people. This is going to be the biggest ribbon cutting ceremony of the chamber mm-hmm. uh, because everybody wants to come out and see my tents. For one, yeah. they want to they want to just walk it and, and do and 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 visualize it. Um, but two is that we're bringing so much business into the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is only eight sites. My second property. Uh, we're applying for 16 sites. And so we're going to have 24 sites, hopefully by the end of this year, um, to to publicize in the monument area. And I'm working on a third property too. So that that's, uh, you, you ask, how do you, how do you keep the press coming? Well, I'm mean, still growing. I mean, yeah. I'm still, I still feel like I'm small uh, and, and I want to get bigger. Um, my goal uh, at the beginning of the year was to have five properties by the end of this year. And, okay. uh, I might not have, I might not reach that goal, but it's still a goal. All right. So <laughs> they're kind of like 10 X. <laughs> so you think you're, you're still a small player. 
you know, and I, I guess uh, one would say there's levels to all of this or whatever. You know, a lot of the people listening probably think you're like the Ritz Carlton or you're like the Marriott, yeah. like you're at that level. But what would you tell somebody who... It's all relative, man. It's, it's all, all relative. relative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would you tell somebody who's just starting off? They either have a tent up already or they're thinking about getting into glamping and they're nervous. They don't want to waste money. They're nervous about if it, is it going to be successful. What advice would you have for them? Uh, I'd say just do it. Uh, just you know, just just do it. Even if you are walking a, a, a line, and most people don't say that. You probably don't say that either, Jamie. But I don't have a business like yours, so I can get into a little bit more trouble. <laughs> so, but I say you know go ahead and do it. And and uh, if if you get dinged, then start getting undinged. You know, just yeah. to, you just start you start just start moving in that direction. Because really, you're going to find out so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one person I, that I'm thinking of right now who got into got into glamping, ended up hating it, and mm-hmm. didn't didn't like it. Uh, so then he started backpedaling and going, "This is what you're doing, Chris, is just not for me." And you might discover that you might discover you don't want people on your property. You don't mm-hmm. you don't want to get to know people. Maybe you do hate people. Yeah. <laughs> so and you don't discover that. Like we we discovered how much we enjoyed it uh, and. And it's almost like an adrenaline rush uh, for when we fill our, our tents up and we're getting, mm-hmm. we're getting really excited right now. It's, it's March, uh, early March. It's still very cold, but we, we do get people on the weekends and stuff staying in our canvas tents, but we got heaters and it's, it's harder to do in the winter. Yeah. Um, but well, we can't wait till May 1st comes around. We have that ribbon cutting ceremony and I'm booking things out. I would love to have everything booked out this summer. And, um, and we just, we just ended up enjoying it. So I would say to the, to the, to the newcomer, the person who's just got, all it is is an idea. Yeah. Um, just do something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, today's world makes it so easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could just throw it up on there. Like I, like I did so at the tents in the backyard. Let's just keep the bed and everything out there. Yep. And throw it up on Airbnb, see what happens. And boom, we booked out for the rest of the summer. Yeah, I and... tell people, just punch fear in the face. <laughs> punch fear in the face, right. just do it. People, yeah. I've always lived in my life, you know, a lot of people tell me, you know, what are you going to do if you fail? What happens if you fall? I always say, what happens if I fly? Like, well, <laughs> no one ever thinks about <laughs> that aspect. Uh, I've also been told a lot in my life to, to slow down. Everyone's got to keep up with me. I, I'm not slowing you down bet. for anybody. You so, bet, man. Yeah, it no, seems like you pre- just yeah, did it. Yeah, you're preaching it, brother. Yeah. So that's a, that's like, a, like I referenced the AGA, and half the people here are illegal. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you don't even, I'm saying, don't even use the law as a reason not to do it. Mm-hmm. Use, like I said, we're doing, we're doing a great work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's what kind of keeps that, that keeps me on the straight and narrow. Uh, yeah. and, uh, I want, I want to be razor sharp legally. Why? Because I want to continue doing what I'm doing and the code, the code and, and being, being, uh, um, being in line with the code is, uh, is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And it's almost by design. It's hard. Unfortunately, it's not impossible. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not impossible. It's, it's it's it is possible because people are doing it. I'm doing it. You're doing mm-hmm. it. We're we're mm-hmm. we There's lots of people. A lot of your listeners are doing it. Yeah. Um. And uh. And, and so it's not. So it's not impossible. You just got to yeah. figure it out and do it. So 
I'm a city boy through and through. Um, uh, you, you know, I live in New York City. I love the outdoors um, to an extent. Um, but you run your glamping business in some really cold area, in a really cold area. Um, can you talk to me about winter glamping? Like, do you, because you yeah. said that you guys do stay open during the winter season. Um, how is that for you from a profitability standpoint? Is it better to just shut down? Is it better to keep it open? And then logistically speaking, do you have heaters? Are they propane heaters? Uh, you know, like, what do you have going on? How do you run your glamping business, not only in the winter, but in a cold area? Yeah, this started off, uh, this was several years ago. I read an article in our local paper actually about winter camping. Uh, people who actually do enjoy being outdoors. And I do too. I mean, I actually, I, I go elk hunting every year and we pack up our, well, for years, packed up all of our hunting stuff and mm -hmm. went to the mountains and went elk hunting. And it's cold. Uh, you know, it's, it gets down to zero degrees sometimes at, at night and stuff. You got to keep things warm. But but that was awesome. We we loved doing that for a time. And we like to come home to our comfort comfortable home. Mm -hmm. But uh, so winter glamping, I actually explain this to people in the glamping world that it is a thing and it's a profitable thing. Now I, I lower my rates. It's, I consider it off season. I okay. we do a lot of developments uh, during the winter season. So like I said, I'm going to have eight units on here, but I took down my bell tents that are closer to the Creek. They're right alongside the Creek. I took those down for the winter just because shoveling those off or getting down there is a little bit more treacherous when it's snowy. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, New York is colder than Colorado. Oh, uh, I know that. Uh, yeah, we do get all yeah, four seasons. Yep, it's a it's a uh, it's a dry climate. Uh, mm -hmm. So so it snows, but then it will melt in a few days. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's not it doesn't. I'm not really up in the mountains. I'm right okay. in the mountain range. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, if if you if you look at Colorado, most of Colorado is very dry, deserty uh, place. The other half is uh, is mountains, the Rocky mm -hmm. Mountains. And well, we're right in the middle. Uh, so yeah. we're right before you get into the mountains. Um, I might, so, I, I might, but I, you know, there's glamping operations that go on in the mountains or go, go in, in cold climates and they shut down every winter. Um, I, I tell them, I try to encourage them to go ahead and do it. Yeah. So, 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 so you think it's profitable. You would recommend staying yes. open in the winter. I, I would, I mean, yeah. like I said, it's more, it's more work. We got to keep our propane tanks full. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's more trips to the more trips to the to the hardware store to fill up those propane tanks mm -hmm. and uh, and things like that. So we have propane heaters. I I was going to do wood. Wood is I, I've learned a lot about heat. <laughs> yeah, uh, I went down that propane. rabbit hole as well. That's why I, I'm asking. It. I love <laughs> yeah. everyone to learn about it. Yeah, propane is hotter than natural gas. Uh, natural gas is what I have on my property, but I'm actually getting a big propane tank installed. Uh, here in a couple of weeks uh, as part of my development this winter so that I could fill out my own 20 gallon propane tanks. And that's what I'll rent out to the, to the renters. And um, um, propane is hotter than natural gas, like I said, but not as hot as wood. Wood mm -hmm. is very hot, but also very dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, and here in Colorado, well, I mean, it's just a tinderbox of, no. of grasslands. And, 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 and so, so to be safe, to be a, to air on the side of safety, I go with a propane stove. Everything's propane. Propane uh, fire pit uh, for their deck. Propane heater for inside their tent. And uh, and I will have propane water, uh, heated water, uh, going into my new bathhouse. Okay. Uh, so and we have we have a hot tub. The hot tub is electric. 
but because um, um, just I, I know there's other kinds of hot tubs. That's that's the, that's kind of the standard design for hot tubs. Mm-hmm. And um, and then um, and then I, I will have more electricity going down to my safari tents. So I here's my layout. I have uh, three safari tents and five bell tents. The bell tents are off grid, so they they have to park and walk down to the creek. But it's nicer. It's, it's more more secluded. Yeah. And yeah. They can they can go down to that side of the property in the valley. And you can hear the rippling water right outside the tent and things like that. People like that. Mm-hmm. And and we we rent out little battery packs so they can keep their phones charged, but they're yeah. not. They don't have electric heaters going on or electric blankets and things like that. The safari tents are more of the what you think of glamorous and, yeah. and glamorous camping. So that has the the full bed and the heaters and the, mm-hmm. and the fans and and things like that. Okay. And then I guess uh, not to take up too much of your time, what do you think is the biggest learning lesson or piece of advice that could be passed on um, for people interested in glamping from any lens? Um, I'd encourage your visitors to go to, or your your viewers to, to contact me personally. Mm -hmm. I love talking shop. Yeah. Your information will be down in the description on YouTube, the show notes on uh, Spotify. Uh, I guess oh, I don't know if I told my viewers yet, or I don't know when this is coming out, but yeah, but there's, we're going full force, Spotify, Apple music, wherever podcasts will be found, Sweet. will be on there and your information will be down below for sure. Oh, good, 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 good. Then, uh, then, uh, yeah, get, contact me. I, I'll go back to that piece of advice of just do it mm-hmm. you know, just, just do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, get, get in there. You're going to learn so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, uh, every day I learn something. Uh, that that uh, even now for going into my fourth year, I still feel like I every day I'm learning learn a new thing. Yesterday I had a hot tub engine all taken apart because they cracked uh, and froze. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, we've had an unusually cold winter this winter, and um, and one of my machines machines started leaking and I didn't didn't figure it out why. Mm-hmm. Until I figured out, oh, it actually froze at one of the one of our Arctic blasts we got, and uh, it cracked inside and started leaking. Cool, yeah. great! I just yeah. learned something. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, now, cool. I know, That's now awesome. I know what not to do. Don't mm-hmm. let them freeze. Yeah, and uh, and so, so you learn a lot by doing. So that's why it's like just start, right? Right, right. I, actually, um, uh, what don't we learn by mm-hmm. by making mistakes and failing? You mentioned failure before. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, the pain you go through when you fail is what brings us progress. Okay. Yeah. It's when, it's when we don't, it's when we don't fail or we never try. And then, then we sit on our laurels and life just goes, it just passes us by. Absolutely. I've always been this way. I mean, I, I mean, Jamie, I got 16 kids. I mean, I'm just, I, <laughs> I live and breathe this stuff, you know? So, yeah. so parenting was something we, we, we ventured into fearlessly. I, I, I like to say I, I owned a schoolie back when schoolies oh, cool. weren't wow. that cool. They, they, yeah. Yeah, it was like uh, 2004, 2005. We had a, had a bus. It was a big feature on our TV show. Yeah. And I have a, I have a picture of, of me installing a, a house air conditioner into the bus. And I said, why would I put a house air conditioner and not an RV air conditioner in there? Mm-hmm. And I, and I remember saying, or I had a post it because I can yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, yep. why? Why? Can't, why is this unconventional? Why? I, I the conventional is something that if if your viewers are unconventional thinkers, embrace unconventional thinking. 
just mm-hmm. go ahead and, 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 and do it, do, do what other people tell you you can't. That's where the real, that's where the real joys of life are. <laughs>